Hello and welcome to The Pulse. Later in this week's programme, we're going to the dogs as we examine whether new proposals by the Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department to control dog breeders actually have any teeth. And we'll also be spending a little time stargazing, well, as much as you can, in what's said to be the world's most light-polluted city. Meanwhile, at the beginning of the week, the Court of Final Appeal dismissed an appeal by two Filipino domestic helpers who were seeking permanent residency in Hong Kong. It also significantly refused to bow to government wishes to refer the right of a bode issue to the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress. No to discrimination. No to discrimination. We are workers, not slaves. 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 Equal treatment in Hong Kong. Equal treatment in Hong Kong. Equal treatment in Hong Kong. The legal battle has taken us uh, some five to six years, uh, a lot of difficulties. Um, we are on the rule of law. We're quite disappointed. Uh, while we respect the judgment, we disagree with it and think that we not only had the better but more principled arguments on the law. Uh, we are glad that there has not been a referral. Uh, while our compatriots on the mainland struggle to implement the rule of law, uh, we must be vigilant to safeguard it in Hong Kong and lead the way. In a unanimous decision by five judges, the Court of Final Appeal shut the door on the possibility of over 300,000 foreign domestic helpers seeking permanent residency in Hong Kong. The ruling also ended speculation on whether the top court would ask Beijing for clarification of its 1999 interpretation of the basic law on boat rights for children born in Hong Kong to mainland parents. Under the interpretation, the National People's Congress Standing Committee stated that Article 24 means that a child has the right of bow in Hong Kong only if at least one mainland parent is a Hong Kong resident. Since the handover in 1997, about 200,000 such children have been born. Now the ball rests in Secretary for Justice Rimsky Yun's court. We are trying our very best to resolve all the legal issues concerning the so-called type 2 babies by legal avenues which are available within the local legal systems. We would do that and we would only uh, 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 exhaust our means before we do anything. Well, with us in the studio are Professor Michael Davis of the University of Hong Kong Faculty of Law and Dennis Kwok, who represents the legal constituency in LegCo. Dennis Kwok, can Steve. I come to you first? Um, the, the, the judges in this case were very clear in saying that they didn't want to see a reference yes. to the uh, National People's Congress. Do you think this was a, um, a manifestation of the judiciary asserting its independence? Well, um, in the opening of the legal year this year, the Chief Justice reminded us that when we talk about judicial independence, the best test is to look at the judgment itself to see the reasoning of the court and to ask whether the courts are independent. I, I think in this case, you're absolutely right that uh, it is a manifestation of the judicial independence because the ruling the reasoning they gave in refusing to refer the matter to the MPCSC was based on established legal principles. The reasoning was very clear and why the uh, Secretary for Justice was wrong in raising this uh, request in the first place because it never satisfied the essential conditions that one needs to meet before a reference would be considered. So I think the courts uh, should be congratulated in reaching 
this decision based on established clear legal principles. Let, let's look at that whole business of referring um, interpretation of the law to a uh, uh, the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress. I mean, do you think there are any circumstances in which that is, in fact, a useful way of seeking clarification? There are circumstances, and that's the standard the court talked about. I think the problem here is, and the government took the position that, well, we're a party to this case, we can use any legal strategy we want. But the government has to appreciate that their central role is to protect the rule of law in Hong Kong to protect the autonomy of Hong Kong. So it's not up to the government to just employ any strategy at once. So when it seeks a referral in a case where it seems inappropriate or where it poses some danger to the rule of law in Hong Kong, then it's, it's valid to criticize them. And they even tried to silence criticism, saying, oh, you were putting pressure on the court. The public wasn't in criticizing. LegCo members, whoever, were not putting pressure on the court. They were really uh, just pointing out what I just said, that the government may be too anxious to refer the case. Still this, this pressure for a, a reference on the question of mainland mothers, where do you think that's I going? I really hope that the uh, uh, government will respect the Court of Final Appeals decision as final and conclusive uh, um, say on the matter. And on the question of double no uh, mothers coming to Hong Kong, I think uh, look at the executive measures, the administrative measures that have been put in place since last year are beginning to, to show results. The, uh, as I understand <coughs> it, the numbers are drastically down. In some cases, 80 to 90 percent. I heard some hospitals are beginning to let go of staff they've hired uh, in the maternity <laughs> ward. Now, so I think we should keep to those executive administrative measures, keep down numbers, uh, and look at our policy, population policy in the long term to see what Hong Kong needs right. as a matter of immigrant policy, population policy. We have an aging population. We have a very low birth rate. What are we to do with, with, with about those uh, issues? So instead of knee-jerk reaction that succumbs to populist pressure, and even going to the extent of damaging our rule of law by seeking a reference, I really hope the government won't do something so silly. Right. It's, this is the, the key to it all, is that to preserve the independence of our legal system. And normally, legal systems operate independently. <coughs> if courts make judgments, governments are infinitely clever, and they find ways that adhere to the judgment and still can explore solutions to the problem. Well, presumably in, in most jurisdictions, what happens if they don't like it is they change the law. That's right. And, and, and the ultimate uh, solution, if you can't change the law, is to amend the basic law or amend the Constitution. But that's something we don't want to do too, too freely. But here, there's no need to do that. The administrative measures are working fine. And if they want to incorporate those measures in legislative enactments, I, I have a feeling they would get a lot of support in the Legislative Council as long as they come forward with something reasonable. Uh, so they, they just simply decline to explore their options and go immediately to Beijing, then that, that's certainly a problem. Yeah. Can we just look for a moment at the specifics of this case, mm. the domestic helpers case? I mean, some people are saying what it shows is that Hong Kong, in fact, does have racist immigration laws, that there's a class of people who are lower in status when they come here to work than other people. Do you, do you think that's a, a fair comment? I think there are uh, uh, concerns that uh, foreign domestic helpers uh, are not treated fairly under the system. Um, but at the same time, we need to look at the policy aspect. Can our system cope with um, uh, uh, many of these uh, families coming to Hong Kong? Now, I, I think there are, there are uh, unwarranted fears at the beginning of this case. 
people don't understand between the difference between uh, eligibility to apply and automatically getting right of vote. I think those issues has to be clarified, and it is a matter for the government to review its policy. Right, and th this is cr uh, critical because where over the last few years we've enacted race discrimination ordinances, sex discrimination ordinances. The government doesn't have to stop here. Uh, if the court has done what it's supposed to do, and, and if there's no remedy for the problems that domestic helpers face, then there's still the option of legislation. I mean, there are some things that happen. For example, they have two weeks when they, their contract is ended before they have to leave Hong Kong. Maybe that's an onerous burden on them because it means, in effect, they're very vulnerable to pressure from employers because the employers hold all the cards. Now, of course, Hong Kong government always wants to protect the employers and not the, the workers, but in some cases they can step back and judge, is this a fair thing to do? Is there a way to change the laws regarding domestic helpers that at least maximize the, the sort of rights protection that they need? And that's something they haven't done. So this is, there's a lot of room here uh, it, through the government, through legislative council, to take action and re-examine this. Well, as ever, there's lots of room for action. Thank you both very much indeed. And we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. To children and even some adults, pet shops with puppies and kittens in the window are endearing places. To those concerned about animal welfare, though, there's an often horrific story behind the facade, a story of puppy or kitten mills, forced breeding and animal cruelty. Proposed legislation is designed to stop that, but some animal lovers are saying it's not going to be much help at all. How much is that dog in the window? According to a 2010-2011 government survey, 74% of the dogs sold in licensed pet shops were sourced locally from self-claimed private pet owners. So far, such private dog breeders haven't been required to apply for animal trader licenses to sell their animals. As they've been exempted from the current animal traders' regulations, some have been less than careful about how they take care of their animals or how they breed them. In September, 2010, 149 dogs were found in appalling conditions in a private breeding facility. One of them was Nacho. Nacho here, um, unfortunately, uh, her condition is um, she's blind, uh, totally blind in one eye and with very little sight left in the other eye. And she's got um, luxating patella. So she was um, used as a breeder dog. So they just breed them. Um, and, and, and sell their, their puppies. The government proposed an amendment of the Public Health, Animals and Birds, Animal Traders regulation under which any person who breeds and sells dogs, including those claiming to be selling their own pets, will have to apply for a license or a permit. There will be four types. Private pet owners breeding one to four female dogs will have to get an animal breeder license category A. Those breeding from five or more will, like other commercial pet breeders, have to get an animal breeder license, category B. For me and a lot of um, charity animal organisations, it just doesn't go far enough. To me, I look at it, a breeder is a breeder. If you breed your pets, you're a breeder. Therefore, you should be licensed and controlled and monitored. Um, and also, 
um, I feel that you should be registered as a business because you know every other business in Hong Kong you pay tax people are making big money from these animals so I believe that they should be registered as a business and the SPCA strongly supports moves to improve the regulation of the pet trade um, there's been a lot of problems with uh, breeding dog breeding and also um, uh, sort of illegal trade and sales and so we're very uh, pleased that the government is taking these steps to start to develop increased legislation to help us with monitoring and enforcement of, uh, of welfare standards for the trade. The Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department is proposing a code of practice for animal breeder license holders under which dogs must have sufficient space. But one private breeder says the requirements are too tough. She has around 50 dogs in her home, half of which are for breeding. AFCD told the Pulse by email that they have been monitoring relevant websites or other mass media to identify illegal animal trading cases. But in 2012, there were only six prosecutions for trading animals without a license and none for breaching license conditions. Only eight commercial dog breeders in Hong Kong are actually licensed. It's proposed that the penalty for trading without a license will be raised from $2,000 to $100,000. But the problem's likely to be one of enforcement. 其實現在聽到的也很少說他會拉倒或者怎樣罰如果你話走私捉到的話就更加少所以如果他走的太多新的指引的話那我們都會擔心他到時有更多的私人繁殖都可以拿牌的話他是否真的夠人手去處理去規
Sai Kong is a hot spot for local stargazers like Miu. He's been examining the heavens and following total eclipses around the world for eight years. It's very clear to him that the background night sky in Hong Kong is brighter than elsewhere, even in a rural area like Sai Kong. A clear black sky for stargazing is a luxury. 其實香港適合觀星地方係越嚟越少嘅，個地方越嚟越乾，甚至乎開始嗰啲光亦都影響到郊區咧，都比平時更加難控制。咁呢個地方應該就叫做都算係好黑嘅啦。但係其實我哋嚟到呢個郊區咧，仍然都受緊光污染影響。譬如我哋望下側邊附近嘅環境咧，其實遠方嗰度咧，你都會見到一啲、呃、光咧喺個地面滲出嚟嘅。其實嗰啲係咩嚟嘅？譬如呢個方向咧，就係西貢市中心。咁西貢市中心咧就好多誒射燈啊、街燈啊、廣告招牌。咁嗰啲燈光，你唔好以為佢嚟到呢度隔咗成半個鐘頭車，好似避得開啲燈光啦。但其實你見到嗰啲光控咧，就正正西貢市中心嗰啲燈光，就算我哋過到嚟呢度一段遠嘅距離，都仍然受緊嘅影響。According to a newly published survey from the University of Hong Kong, light pollution here is worse than it was just three years ago. The current survey. Measured 15 spot. They found that almost everywhere there's at least some light pollution from artificial light, billboards, flashing LED TV walls, or giant spotlights. Many are on around the clock. 应用嘅地方就用够就得啦，唔使过多。咁同埋另外一样嘢咧，就系诶诶，如果个商业活动已经停咗，例如个铺头已经闩咗门啊。誒或者個球場已經冇人喺度誒踢波咁先算啦，咁其實可以將嗰啲燈光咧就刪咗佢。According to the Environmental Protection Department, from 2010 to 2012, there were about 225 complaints about light pollution each year. In July 2011, the government set up a task force on external lighting that included professionals. Relevant trade bodies and green groups. In January 2012, the task force came up with its guidelines on industry best practices for external lighting. Environmentalists were not impressed. But你看見就是他們當初提好多方案就是或者參考外國的做法就譬如控制熄燈時間啦光度啦或者向度啦有好多種不同的處理方法他們裡面是找什麼呢一一這樣說話呢樣不行那樣不行很難呢樣有什
Over 7,000 cities around the world participated. Government buildings, some residents and some commercial office buildings turned off their lights from 8.30 to 9.30 at night to boost public awareness of the need to save energy. I've been living in Hong Kong for seven years, but uh, I've always been surprised to see so many lights in here. I come from France in a countryside where it's all black at night, but in here it's always very light polluted. Well, why do we need light in the evening? Well, we need light for our work and for safety in the evening, but they should be light shooting to the ground at us, used by us. And, but the lights that we actually measure in this study are lights that shot up into the sky. These are light for astronauts, not for humans. the sky.